All right, how's everybody doing? Come on, it's us. Great to see everybody this morning. Thank you so much for coming to, uh, to join us for uh, our worship together. And thank you uh, for everyone for the way that you have participated in one voice uh, today. Uh, it's great that uh, we're doing this each month together, and so hopefully you're looking forward to this as uh, each month we're able to, to share this time as a church body. And thank you for filling out your name tags. I see a lot of you with name tags on this morning. It's a great way to help us uh, reunite with one another, re-engage, and to meet one another sometimes even for the first time. Hey, today is October the 10th. October the 10th. Do you know what that means? We are 75 sleeps until Christmas. Yes. Isn't that great? That's right. 75 sleeps, 76 days until December 25th. Now, I'm telling you this as a sort of public service announcement, all right? This is important, especially for all of the gentlemen that are in the room today. Also, for those who are watching us um, online on our digital campus, you have 76 days until Christmas. And that means that you have 12 days, less than two weeks, until the Hallmark Channel begins showing all 2,452 of their Christmas movies. All right? You, you, you've got 12 more days of freedom, guys, so you need to be sure and make the most of it. Because once those movies come onto your TV screen, well, there's all of a sudden fewer opportunities for football and for grilling out, because there's always a new premiere right during the time of the big game, right? And then once those movies start, well, your wife or your girlfriend, well, they're going to expect your house to begin that magical holiday transformation. And this means multiple trips up to the attic and special weekend runs to Hobby Lobby. It's coming, guys. It's coming. And so I'm here for you to give you that information just to let you know so that you can be prepared 76 days until Christmas. Now, this also means that it's time for, for us, for us menfolk to begin dropping hints about what we cannot do without until Christmas. You know, the new TV that, that you would like to have. That would be great to watch Hallmark Christmas movies on, right? Or, or that new truck that you've been having your eye on. That would be fantastic to haul Christmas supplies from Hobby Lobby back home, right? Do you see... Do you see how this goes, guys? You see how it works? Use this moment to your advantage, right? And ladies, look, since all of the guys in the room are so bad at picking up on your hints and your cues, would you just please go ahead and take out your bulletin, and there on the inside, there is this gray square, all right? And in that gray square, would you just please go ahead and write down exactly what you would like this Christmas I mean, just go ahead, write it down now, and tell us the exact wording to put into the Amazon search box, all right? Exactly how to search for it, and please include your size, because you do not want us guessing, all right? Just do not, don't, don't, don't go there with that. So just do that, that would be great. And look, I've given you this public service announcement, because it is just so difficult to get what we want, Right? A young boy began dropping early hints at Christmas. He had his eye on a new bicycle, and so he told his parents. He told me, Mom, Papa. He wrote a letter to Santa. He thought he had all of his bases covered. But the closer that he got to Christmas, the more concerned that he became. So he decided that the desire was just too much, and the, 
the, the chance that he might miss out on this new bicycle. It was too great. So one day he goes and he puts on his coat, he puts on his hat and gloves, and he runs down the street to the local Catholic church. He goes inside, stays for a few minutes, and then he hurriedly makes his way back home. He bounded through the front door, up the stairs to his room, and then with the door locked, he unzipped his jacket, and he retrieved a small statue of the Virgin Mary that he had secretly taken from the church. And then he got down on his hands and knees, and he began to pray, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again... <laughs> I need a bike this Christmas. <laughs> hey, do you know that feeling? Right? Do, do you know what it is like to want something so badly? To desire something at, to such an extreme that you would go to the nth degree to get what you want? Do you know that type of desperation? Well, Jesus often encountered desperate people. And one of those encounters is recorded in John chapter 5. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's enjoying some shade underneath one of the covered porches that were near the city's sheep gate. And near that gate, there were a couple of pools. And over the years, this location had become a gathering place for the broken of, of Jerusalem. And the lame came, the blind, the deaf, the lepers, and you just name it, and they were there. And a rumor had gone around that at some point in time, even though you did not know exactly when it might happen, that there was an angel that would stir up the water and the first one to be in the pool at that time would be healed. It was kind of a medical miracle lottery. Well, seeing a man who had been ill for almost 40 years, Jesus approached him and he asked a very strange question. He said in John chapter 5 and verse 6, Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Now think for a minute, what kind of question is that? Right? I mean, why else would the man be lying there? Why else would he have spent every day for the past 38 years, perhaps, lying there, hoping, praying that somehow, some way, even though he could not move, that he could get into the water? Of course the guy wanted to be well. Why, what was Jesus thinking? Why was he being so insensitive? And why does he ask such an embarrassing question to someone who everybody could look at and see? Well, sure, this man has a difficulty. This man has an illness. He has a deformity. This man is disabled. Sure, he wants to get well. That's why he's here. But with most questions that Jesus posed, I believe that he was probing for something that we don't see. He knew the answer but I think he wanted to know if the man knew the answer. And there is the story of the two blind men of Jericho. Jesus is passing the spot where these two men have, have been sitting looking for a handout for who knows how long. And they learn that Jesus is going by and they cry out to him. And even though the crowd tells them to be quiet, they shout to such an extent that they finally get the Savior's attention. And everything stops. And Jesus steps over to the side of the road. He goes and stands in front of the two men. Now, nothing could be clearer than the fact that these guys are blind. But Jesus still asked them, What do you want me to do for you? There it is again. What do you want? You see, there's got to be something deeper. 
that we just miss as we read through this story and as oftentimes we read through the stories of how Jesus dealt with desperation. So I want you to ask yourself something. How long can a person sustain desire against continual disappointment? Now I know that some can hold out longer than, than others, but eventually we all move to a place of resignation, of cynicism, and of bitterness. And as the years roll by, perhaps the man at the pool, perhaps those, those two that were sitting there at the side of the road, perhaps they began to lose any vital heart connection to what they truly wanted. I mean, they were existing. He was lying there. They were sitting there. But they were not living. They were just going through the motions, lying by the pool, sitting by the side of the road. And perhaps calluses had begun to form on their heart. So Jesus took them back to the very depth of what they wanted more than anything. And what he's saying is, what is your deepest desire? What is it that you want? Do you really want to get well? Or do you just want to numb the pain? Do you want to walk on your own? Or are you content just to be carried and cared for? Do you want to see? Or do you just want a handout? What is your desire? You see, following Jesus at its essence is not an invitation to become a moral person. It is not a program for getting us in line or for reforming society. Now, look, following after Jesus, being his disciple, it has a powerful impact on our life, and it can change the world around us. But when transformation comes, it is always the after effect of something else. Because at its core... Following Jesus begins with an invitation to rediscover what it is that we desire the most. What do you want? What do you want? The paralytic at Bethsaida, the blind man of Jericho, each different, each needing something, and each awakened by Jesus to their heart's true desire. Think about this. To the weary, Jesus speaks of rest. To the lost, he speaks of rescue. To the poor, he speaks of security. Again and again, Jesus takes people back to their desires. And I love the way it's described in Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 7, there in that wonderful Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. He says, keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep searching and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who searches finds, and the one who knocks, the door gets opened. Now look, that's an outrageous concept. Jesus says, I want you to ask, and I want you to search, and I want you to knock. And all of these words, they invite desire. Jesus, he's saying, look, what do you want? What is it that you want from God more than anything else? He wants people to identify their true desire. And if we stop and think about it, and instead of writing down in that green little box or that gray box, here's what I want for Christmas, what if you were to write what it truly is that you want from God? Would you speak of your security? Would you say that you want acceptance? Would you say that what you're searching for in life more than anything is forgiveness? Is it love? Is it significance? Is it healing? Do you just want somebody to see you? Jesus says, what is it that you want? And then he asks, 
He then asked the people if they are willing, if we are willing to find fulfillment in him. You see, God knows that desire has gone mad within us and that we have gone looking in all kinds of corners to find the answer to the desires that we have. But look, he doesn't seek to rectify the problem by killing off desire. He seeks the healing of desire. He doesn't tell people to abandon their desires, only to let their desires find their ultimate fulfillment in him. And here's the amazing thing. You read through the Gospels. And you find that the response to Jesus was nothing short of remarkable. I mean, people tore up roofs to get down into his presence. They literally ran from one location to another just to be able to hear what he was going to say. They trampled over each other just to be able to get close to the man, to reach out, hoping, just can I touch him because I need something so badly. They brought their kids to him. They brought their friends. They brought their, their family, everybody that they could find and say, come. And guys, people only act this way when it's a matter of life and death. I mean, think about it. Crowds push and shove one another trying to get out of burning buildings, right? You know, I've never seen people act like this in order to get a chance to serve on a church committee. <laughs> right? Never, never seen that kind of a passion or to come and hear a sermon on the church's New Testament pattern. Let me in! I've got to have it! <sighs> Look, when life is at stake and the answer is within reach, that's when you see human desire in all its desperation. We witnessed it a few weeks ago with the individuals that feverishly attempted to leave Afghanistan. What do you want? I want to get out. I want to leave. I want to live. You've witnessed that desire. You, you've seen it. You understand what that's like. And friends, the people who are painfully aware of their soul's deepest desire are the individuals who are most captivated by Jesus. When he says, what do you want? What do you want? And are you willing to allow me to heal that desire? Now look, the Jewish religious leaders of Jesus, they missed it because their desire had been buried under a heavy weight of, of duty and obligation. And I don't think a lot has changed through the centuries. The promise of life and the awakening of desire, well, it's all been lost beneath a pile of religious teachings that put focus on knowledge and performance. In many churches, right belief is seen as the means to life. And fulfillment of desire is just irrelevant. But I want you to notice something. The Pharisees, they needed more Bible than many of us will ever know. And what was the result? They had hard hearts. Because they didn't know how to take what they knew and translate that into who they were seeing. You see, Christianity is often presented as essentially the transfer of information. We learned that Ruth was a Moabite and that Paul took three missionary journeys and that the Bible is written in Hebrew and, and, and Greek and Aramaic. And this information is supposed to lead, we believe, to behavior modification. We tell people, here's the information that you need and, and here's what you should do to be a good follower of Jesus and here's what you should not do. And that latter list is often longer than the first. And then we market it as good news. Know the right thing and do the right thing. And we say, this is life. But however the information 
However the information is presented and whatever it is that we're receiving, it seems that it could not be more distant from or be more irrelevant to our deepest desire. And when we're not excited or fired up by the bunch of trivia or the rules that we are given, we begin to feel as maybe we're just not spiritual enough. Have you ever felt that way? Hey, have you ever thought, well, you know what, I guess, I guess I'm just not a true follower of Jesus because I just don't get excited about all of this stuff. In my opinion, and this is just my two cents, I believe this is why many churches struggle to engage their younger generations. I mean, how does knowing about church organization satisfy a 13-year-old girl's need for significance and acceptance? Or how does memorizing the kings of Israel and Judah quench a college student's thirst for forgiveness or point them to hope in the future? How does praying a specific number of times or singing in a certain style at gatherings, much like the ones that we're a part of this morning, how does that free a young man from the guilt of his pornography addiction? Friends, we need to understand our children are dying in a culture of narcissistic self-indulgence. They are being told that their gender is fluid, that their worth is based on achievement, and their future is ominous and bleak. And friends, they do not need more facts, and they certainly do not need more things to do. They need life. The life that we all have been looking for ever since Eden. And the truth of the matter is that generation after generation is saying, I'm going to take my chances out there because I'm not finding any life in here. And I think it's time for the church to stop peddling knowledge and just ministry models and duty and obligation only because these do not speak to the desires of our soul. The church must offer rest and rescue, freedom and forgiveness, acceptance and accountability, meaning and mission. The church must speak to humanity's desire or risk becoming even more increasingly irrelevant. Friends, the church must be viewed as offering life and being able to move people closer to that life-restoring relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to listen to God's pronouncement about the kingdom through his prophet Isaiah. It's from Isaiah chapter 55. He said, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why do you spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, he says, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. He's saying, look, hey, you've tried everything else. You've spent your money and you've spent your time on things and on lifestyles that have not brought you satisfaction. Why are you spending yourself on these pursuits that leave you so unfulfilled? And instead he says, why don't you listen to me? Listen to me because I have, I have life. And Jesus would seize upon this image when talking to another desperate soul by a Samaritan well. He said, anyone who drinks this water, referring to the water that was being drawn up there, he says, anyone that drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. He says, it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them, catch this, eternal life. 
There it is. Jesus says, look, I've got your best life. If you're wanting to know how to live, if you want to know where to put your, your focus, if you're wanting to know where your direction should be, then follow me. But do we understand that this is what Jesus is offering here? You know, we read eternal life and we usually think of an existence that never comes to an end. Some sort of forever after in the sky when we die by and by. But understand, our souls are eternal whether we accept what Jesus offers or not. Our souls will continue either in the presence of God or separated from him. But look, as you read through the Gospels, it becomes clear that when Jesus speaks of eternal life, what he means is a life that is never diminished, a life that is never stolen away. In other words, it's a life that's not just about duration, but it's about quality. I love what Dallas Willard writes in his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says, Jesus offers himself as God's doorway into the life that is truly life. Confidence in him leads us today, as in other times, to become, I love this part, his apprentices in eternal living. And he quotes Jesus saying, those who come through me will be safe. They will go in and out and find all the rest that they need. I have come into their world that they might have life, and they might have life to the limit. And Jesus' invitation, his invitation for life to the limit is a come all invitation. You see, we each share common desires. And we each look for common fulfillment. Our desires go deeper than race or, or language. They speak from the depth of our soul. We yearn for an Eden. We learn for a paradise that has been lost. And I want you to listen to the pursuit of life as revealed in the Psalms. Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Listen to Psalm 42, verses 1 through 2. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you. Oh God, I thirst for God, for the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Psalm 63, and verse 1. Oh God... You are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. This is the language that is foreign to us. It's not English or Spanish. The language that is foreign to us is the language of desire. The language of desire, because we're just uncomfortable with all the pleasure, the thirsting, and the longing. We don't know what that's like to speak to God in those ways. We've forgotten that language. We no longer talk about it in that way. We no longer pray that way. And if we do know the language of desire, well, we never associate anymore with God. And yet it's our native tongue. It's what is... The language of our soul. The desire to be filled and to live life. So what do you want? What do you want? Do you want security? Jesus says, I'll take care of you. You want acceptance? 
He says, come to me, all you who are weary. You want forgiveness? Jesus says, it's only found in me. I'll forgive you because I love you. Is that what you're looking for? You want love that you've never been able to find? It's why Jesus was sent, we're told in Scripture. Searching for significance. Wondering if, you, if you're valued, if you matter. You're wondering why it is that you were here, Jesus. Jesus will point you to God and said, you are here to worship the Creator. You, you are a living masterpiece. You're looking for healing? Looking for, for healing in, in your life now and, and in the future? It's a reason in Scripture he's known as the great physician. What do you want? Or, or if I could be just a little bit more personal, where have you been going to satisfy the desire of your soul? An illicit romance? A bottle of Jack? A chaotic career? You've joined the gym and you've gone to the clubs. you volunteered at the shelters, but you still feel empty. How about give Jesus a chance? How about give Jesus a chance? But understand this, guys. Christianity has nothing to say to the person who is completely happy and content with the way that things are. Christianity is a message for people who hunger and who thirst and who desire for life as it was intended to be. And so Jesus, Jesus spent a lot of time with desperate people. And he appealed. He appealed to their desire because it is his essential. It's his essential goal to restore life. A life that has been lost. And so he says, do you want to get well? What is it that you want? What is it that you desire more than anything else? The man at the pool walked away. I think he ran personally. The two men of Jericho watched the sunset that night. The woman at the Samaritan well discovered the love that she had been missing. And guys, then reflecting on these events, the Apostle John looked at what Jesus offered, and then he looked at what Jesus delivered, and he said, whoever has the Son has life. So if life is what you want, then Jesus is who you need. What do you want? What do you want? And are you willing to let Jesus satisfy your deepest desire? Will you join me in prayer? Father, we have gone so many places searching for life. We, we know that there's something missing. We know that there's something that, that is more to the existence that we have. And everywhere that we look and, and all the things that we watch and the things that we read keep pointing us in all of these different directions to, to go here and try this and, and do that. And, and we have. I mean, we have chased after life in so many dark corners of this world. 
And yet we still find ourselves hungry. We still find ourselves thirsty because the, the more that we drink what this culture gives us, the more that we eat what the world says brings life, the more famished that we are and it seems like the weaker that we get. And then, Father, oftentimes we, we come and to, to be among your people and we, we come looking for, for the life that, that, that we desire most and instead of being shown you, we're, we're given information and we're given some to-do list and it just seems like it, it just seems like we're going through this cycle of trying harder and then failing more and Father, my prayer is today that first of all, that we would be honest with you with what it is that we truly are seeking in life. That we would come to you, that we would lay it out to you, we would put it upon your altar. And that we would seek the fulfillment from you. That instead of trying to find our security and our relationships, that we would look for it in your son. Instead of trying, instead of trying to find love on the weekends that we would have it with you each and every day that that we would find our significance that we would find our acceptance in in who you say that we are and in how you say that we have been made and father that we would find forgiveness and that we would find love that we have never known before it is my prayer that, Father, that we would be able to come to you and discover purpose and, and mission and be able to understand why it is that we are truly here and what our life is truly going to be all about. We want to live our best life. But we first have to admit that the way we are living is not the best for us. And so, Father, give us, give us another moment and give us another day that that we might be able to continue to search. But Father, may we find what it is that we desire most, not in anything from this world, but Father, completely and wholly in you. Awaken our desire. Fulfill our desire so that we may live. For anyone who has the Son has life. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Church, as we close out everything today, we want you to know that we are serious about this idea of discovering life, of having desire filled in Jesus, and we would love to talk with you more about this. It's why each and every week one of our elders, one of the spiritual leaders here within our congregation is back in our prayer room. It's located just off the lobby, and we'd love to be able to have a conversation with you about anything that goes on in our worship time, about anything that's shared in the messages, but to speak with you about moving closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to be able to talk with you about the idea of repentance, the idea of, of baptism. We would love to be able to talk with you about who Jesus is in your life and, and, and the way in which he desires to, to carry you close to the Lord, close to God. And so I encourage you that as we are closing things up here today to make your way there, back to the lobby. Multiple um, elders will be back there and we'll be able to have an opportunity to talk with you. Again, we're so thankful for your presence here today to be able to worship in one voice. 
Uh, we want you to know that there are multiple opportunities for, uh, for discipleship, for classes, for gathering together. We want you to look at those in your bulletin uh, that you could pick up as you were coming in. If you didn't get one, please get that as you are going out. Remember that there are going to be new classes that um, are going to be started next Sunday. Um, so new small group classes that will be going on. Check your bulletin for that. Still our gathering at 930. We'll be here. We want you to be a part of that. One of the things that is mentioned uh, in there is that there was going to be a, a, an early morning prayer and discipleship time this Thursday uh, with Sean White. That is going to need to be pushed back to next week. So if you're making plans to be a part of that, just push that back one week if you would. And we would appreciate that so much. Again, thanks so much for being here. We're going to close out with um, song and prayer. Derek, thanks so much for your work today.